minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome into the Masson All Access podcast, everybody. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings coming at you from our Masson web studio. And we are hopefully you're tuning in to our show live on the Masson Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel or subscribe to us after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, you can find our Masson All Access podcast. Hope everyone had a very fun and safe holiday weekend. Enjoyed some good baseball by your Washington Nationals. Amy, how was your long weekend? That was the most exciting part of right? my weekend is watching really good Nationals baseball, the best baseball that they've really played all season. So that was exciting. Um, how was your weekend? You had a wedding this weekend. I was at a you? wedding, wedding out on Kent Island. So I've got to admit, I did not watch a lot of Nationals baseball. So maybe it was me this entire season long <laughs> why we've been playing so bad. But um, no, I mean, I the t- the house I was at didn't have access to to the game, so which is fine. There, you know, it was a long wedding weekend. I, I'm not a big fan of, and this is not a, a diss to the couple, good friends of ours, uh, but I'm not a big fan of weddings on holiday weekends, um, especially in the summer because our job, you know, holiday weekends are usually long and we have to work them. And when one of us is out, that means more work for the rest of the people. I know our coworker, Paul Mancano, was also at a wedding this weekend. So that's just a more personal thing for me. Like, I'm not a big fan of holiday weekends in and of itself or weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, it was great. I guess there- the only thing is it makes it easier for people to travel. Like, you know, you and I wasn't far. Yeah. Kent Island. People, it was like an hour away. Yeah. yeah. For most people, they have off on right. Monday, probably. So they were able to get there and get back. True. Yeah. If anyone who f- uh, flew, yeah, no, anyone who flew in had obviously time to get home and everything. But no, it was a lovely ceremony, but didn't get to watch a lot of the games because there's just a, it was like a week long of activities, weekend long activity, which is great. That's it was fun. a lot of fun. Good to see a lot of friends um, and hedge up and celebrate the happy couple. Um, it, it was a really good time. But yeah, I missed. I was only able to follow along thanks to Mark Zuckerman's coverage on MassInSports.com and our own highlights on Mass and Nationals on Twitter and Facebook and, and Instagram. So, like, I didn't able to watch a lot of it live, or actually, I watched none of it live, but I was able to, you know, kind of get the follow recaps along. the next morning and follow along and be like, oh, man, they, they just took a couple away from the Mets and started off a good week against the Cardinals. It was pretty impressive. So that was a good sign for the Nationals to start off the last month of the season uh, having won four of their first six games uh, to start up September. It really has. I mean, there's been very few good stretches this season. Right. So, you know, this it doesn't take a whole lot for this to take the cake, but it is really exciting, and it's who they're getting these wins over. It was at the Mets and now at the Cardinals and not even at home. This road trip right. has been the best stretch, so that's exciting. It kind of ties back a little bit. I feel like we talked about this a little bit earlier in the year where we felt like the Nationals, for whatever reason, were playing better on the road mm-hmm. than at home. They had a really bad home record, and I think it had a lot to do with because they had a lot of early home games against division opponents. But you mentioned something that I didn't think we talked too much about last week. It might be something that we can talk about throughout the course of this last month. Um, and that is the opponents that they're facing and winning. Uh, you mentioned the Mets, the Cardinals. They have the Phillies this weekend, the Orioles next week. It's only two games, but still two games the Orioles need. Right. Um, the Braves, Braves again, Phillies, Marlins in between there, ending with the Mets back in New York. These are all teams, aside from the Marlins, who the Nats really struggled with, who are <laughs> in the playoff hunt. And now you're looking at the standings, and the Mets and the Braves are tied for first atop of the NL East. 
And that's because the Nationals were able to knock them off for two games this past weekend uh, while the Braves stayed hot. So, like, the Nationals could have a interesting effect to this playoff race. Obviously, they're not going to be playing in October. We'll pass October 5th. But they could have their fingerprints on this postseason right. based on the opponents they face throughout the course of the week. If they end up winning three out of four, even split against the Cardinals, the Cardinals probably don't need that right now. The Phillies need to catch up. The Braves have already caught up. The Orioles need to stay within the race. Every game counts for them right now. So the Nationals are going to have a role to play over this last course of the season. So that in and of itself is kind of saying that they can play spoiler. Right. You never want to be playing spoiler. You want to be playing in October. But in a season like this where you are so far removed from the playoff picture, playing spoiler makes it a little bit more exciting down the stretch. And I think it's a lot of credit to the guys in that locker room. Of course, Davey Martinez as well and the coaching staff. They have them playing tough baseball. I mean, we know that on paper this Nationals team isn't – as talented as some of these other teams that they're going to be facing. But that doesn't mean they can't be, um, you know, playing hard and playing the right way, in which they are. And that's going to lead to wins every once in a while. And you're seeing some guys break out a little bit. We're going to talk about some of the young guys that have had really good weekends and, and are maybe starting to come into their own uh, and looking forward to their last months of the season. We're going to talk about uh, maybe some of the vets that have also played a significant role Right. Well, and then we'll end it with uh, this podcast with uh, my conversation with Jackson Rutledge down at Fredericksburg from a couple of weeks ago um, as part of our our series of of interviews with Jackson Rutledge. The Fred Nats also congratulations to them. They just clinched a playoff berth. Um, So we'll hear from Jackson, one of the Nats top pitching prospects in a little bit. But back to the major league level, I first want to give a shout out to two pitchers, two veteran guys that I meant to give this shout out last week when we were talking about uh, the Kay Cavalli injury and issues with uh, Nationals pitchers being injured. We have to give props to Anibal Sanchez and Paulo Espino for the way that they've pitched as of late. Anibal Sanchez has been one of the better pitchers, not just for this Nationals club, but in the National League over the last month or so. Remember when he first returned from the Nationals, had that neck impingement issue all season long made his debut in mid-july he lost his first five outings <laughs> and so did the nationals um starting the season and then over his last five he got a 171 era holding opponents to a 159 average has struck out 17 walked only 12 only giving up 14 hits and five earned runs over 26 and a third innings and the nationals are five and oh in those outings by Anibal Sanchez. And Apollo Espino, the numbers aren't as good. Um, over his last four games, he's got a 458 ERA, holding opponents to a 286 average. But what is more impressive about Apollo is that he's giving his team a chance. True. Every time he goes down, he talked about how much that matters to him and how much Davey relies on him. His last couple of outings, three runs in five uh, innings, one run in five innings, three runs in five and a third, three runs in four and a third. You can even go back to earlier in August, one run in five innings. So he's keeping them in ball games, giving them a chance to win. And the Nationals have won two of his last four. So I, I, I wanted to give props because, you know, we talked a lot about earlier in the season, like, what are we doing here? Why is we waiting so long on Anibal Sanchez? Why are we moving Paulo Espino out of the bullpen to make starts? But last week was the perfect reason why, because injuries happen. And then these are veteran guys that you can rely on to pitch multiple innings, to get outs, and 
can get the job done, keep your team in the ballgame. Yeah, these are both guys that were in the conversation that when the Nationals were going to get Cade Cavalli and get Mackenzie Gore back, right. these were two names that were going to be probably the first ones out of this rotation. But really, Anibal Sanchez has had the best four starts um, and times through the rotation mm -hmm. over, you know, the last four times through the rotation, he's only given up one run over his last three starts, went seven innings, went five innings. I mean, he has been the most consistent thing um, over the past month, really. And that, this is the best stretch for a guy like this to get hot, not only for his own career. You know, he said that he wants to see the possibility of pitching next year, whether it's for the Nationals or for another team. And I don't think that was really a conversation when his ERA was at 765. <laughs> Um, on August 3rd. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And I think that's an impressive um, way to look, not impressive, a good way to look at it, a positive way to look at it is that, you know, we, we, we're we looking at through the lens of these guys are pitching for their spots next year, but that's not probably entirely the case. They're probably mm -hmm. pitching for their careers at some point next year. Um, I believe Paulo is, has more control right now than Anibal. Anibal, of course, came back on a, on a one-year deal um, that he signed in spring training. So that's a different situation. But, yeah, they're pitching for their baseball futures, not necessarily their futures with the Nationals. I think it's important to keep in mind as we see them go out and succeed. We want them to succeed because they're right now pitching for the team we cover, for, for mm -hmm. fans, for the team they root for. But we also want to see them succeed in their baseball careers moving forward beyond the Nationals, even if they're not a part of this plan moving forward because we know that, yes, Kay Cavalli will be back next year. Mackenzie Gore hopefully will finish this season on a positive note, healthy, and be able to be back next year. They're those guys are part of the futures, whereas Anibal and Paulo, guys like that, maybe aren't, won't be. Yeah, and you know, the rest of this podcast, we're going to be talking about the young guys <laughs> and, um, you know, the new nationals that aren't yeah. necessarily young, but some of the brightest spots on this team. But it takes good outings from these starters for them to be able to do their job and for those guys to keep the nationals in games or lead them to wins. And it's the Anibal Sanchez's, it's the Paulo Espino, it's the veterans in this rotation that are allowing them to do that and shine right now so like we said four and two to start the month of september and that stretch started with their first walk-off win of the season hard to believe an almost a full calendar year last thursday at nationals park against the oakland athletics a game in which paulo espino started mm -hmm. and then joey Meneses ended with his walk-off home run a three-run bomb in the bottom of the 10th inning um kicking off this you know, nice stretch, of course, of this over this weekend, weekend plus, uh, and and Joey Meneses has just been an absolutely unbelievable hitter for the Nationals right now. Talk about a great story! How long he's been in the minor leagues, how long he played in the Mexican league, um, and then now at 30 years old, getting his first shot at the major leagues. Of course, hitting a home run in his major league debut, um, and then now, uh, mm -hmm. you know, hit just it's all. It's not even the hits. Tim Leonard and I, our producer, were talking before we got on air. It's not just hits every time out. It's homers and doubles and extra right. base hits. And he is, I think he's got eight extra base hits. Uh, no, eight, eight doubles go along with his seven homers in his first 30 games as a major leaguer. That's on pace for about 37-ish homers over a 162-game season, which is very impressive for a guy that was just supposed to come up and fill a spot that was left over from a trade of Juan Soto and Josh Bell. Right, exactly. And, you know, you don't want to be the guy to look at Juan Soto's numbers over the last month and look at Joey Manessis. But, you know, that's the thing about Joey Manessis. It's, you know, it's it's been a great story. Yeah, he homered in his debut. Yeah, he had that walk-off. But he's been consistent. And not only the most consistent hitter in the Nationals lineup, but really across the league. Like, Joey Manessis is so consistent. And that's been the difference between him 
And if you want to go look and compare the numbers between Juan Soto and Joey Manessis, there's a big difference there, and yeah. that's what it comes down to. Yeah, Joey's hitting 344 with a 957 OPS over his first 30 games. I mentioned the doubles and the home run. He's got 16 RBIs. If he continues on this pace over the last 30-ish games of the season, he's going to finish near the top, probably along with Lane Thomas uh, as the, one of the home run leaders on this team because obviously Juan Soto and Josh Bell are gone. Nelson Cruz continues to struggle at the plate, and there aren't really many – sluggers right now that are hitting at the pace that Joey Manessis is. And, you know, we're talking about these positive developments. Yes, he's a rookie, but he's also 30 years old, Amy. And this kind of ties back to a conversation we had in 2020 with Yadiel Hernandez when he made his debut at 30 years old. And I guess my question uh, to further this conversation is, is this just a feel-good story or is this something that Joey Manessis could be a part of the future for this team? I mean, I think... He absolutely can if he can stay consistent. You know, we kind of had this conversation. I mean, Lane Thomas, not the same type of player at all. But, you know, mm-hmm. he finished the last last season so strong. And this year he's been very streaky up and down. So I think it just comes down to how Joey Manessis is going to come out of the gate next year. Is this something that he can keep up or is it just a fluke? But I think that's where you point to the consistency and that it hasn't just been one or two games. He's going out there every night and producing multi-hit games for the Nationals. So I think it absolutely has to be a part of the consideration, whether whether he's 30 years old or not, he's still one of the newest additions and could be a part of this future if he can keep that up. And you mentioned the consistency. It's not just over these 30 games at the major league level. This is something that Davey Martinez is quick to point out. He's been doing this all year at Rochester, over 96 games. He hit 286 with an 830 OPS and hit 20 home runs with 14 doubles and a triple and 64 RBI. So that's the higher, highest level of the minor leagues that he's doing that over a long sure. period of time. And you would take those numbers over a, a major league season. Right? 286 is a good hitter for a power hitting outfielder and 20 plus home runs and almost 70 RBIs. That's a great, that's a good season, a really good season. And then you also consider the fact that it's coming from a career minor league or 30 right. year old. Um, but just to play devil's, I mean, this is nothing against Joey Manessas. This is, he's been obviously great. And, and, but like, at one point, does it become, yes, we have to see the consistency. Hopefully, you know, there's still plenty of games to finish that he finishes strong. Mm-hmm. We'll see how he enters next season. But, you know, there has, there's got to be a reason that it took him this long to make the, the major leagues, right? So it's like, I wonder what that could have been. Did it just, is it as simple as it just took him this long to figure out who he was as a hitter um, and have success, sustained success? Or is it, Sometimes there's some tool right there that doesn't fully. Now I I think I can argue. You could probably argue that there wasn't a real place for him in the field at at one time. They moved him around a bit. Right field. He's played a little bit of first base. Um, but I, I think you can kind of hide that if you have a productive bat, and he's proven right. to have that. So I don't necessarily think that whatever the reason may be, I don't think that's going to affect his future, right? I don't think his past is going to affect his future too much as long as he remains on this trajectory. Well, and maybe it's just a matter of, you know, like get in where you fit in. Like <laughs> yeah. now you have the opportunity. Now there's those positions that you play do have openings and he's just taking advantage of the situation. And on a lot of teams right now, like 
obviously we're seeing it and we wouldn't have seen it otherwise, but a lot of other teams, Joey Manessas wouldn't be playing right now. Yeah. Um, but he's having his opportunity and he's taking advantage of it. Trump, something you kind of just said there that made me think of it's, it's not how you get there. It's what you do once you get there. Right. right. So it's like, it doesn't really matter my point of how he had, why it took him 10 years, whatever it may be. He's here now. He's finding success. Stay with that. And uh, he could have a, a solid major league career. I mean, it is easy to compare the parallels between him and Yadiel Hernandez. We know Yadiel's season is cut short because of a calf injury and honestly because of his age. I mean, at his age, it's just harder to come back from an injury like that in such a short period of time left in the season that was, you know, necessary to shut him down. So, you know, the one thing working against Joey is his age, but for right now, it's a good story. For right now, you can see him coming back next year playing. You know, he could be the opening day right fielder for the Nationals. He probably will be at this point unless they do something crazy during right. this offseason. And, and he's earned that. He's definitely going to earn that right because he's playing well. So it's a mixed bag of feel-good story, but also something kind of brewing for in a positive way for right, the Nationals. Right, because it's not just a guy that, you know, the Nationals aren't going to go out and spend money next year and, you know, get get those guys to fill in those holes. Um, it's a matter of he's earned that spot yeah. and he's going to be one of the brighter spots in this lineup. So that's a really good thing. And then Ildemaro Vargas has kind of been a similar guy different story but similar in the fact that he is a little bit older and he's making an impact on this team since yeah. his arrival yeah journeyman of course we know about him uh being on the cubs earlier this year getting dfa signing a minor league deal with the nationals and he's played well um you know he's at times he was hitting the ninth in the lineup but he won before he got better at the plate and kind of worked his way up the lineup, he solidified himself on the left side of that infield, playing right. third base, playing shortstop when C.J. Abrams needed a break, or, uh, or who know it was C.J. at the time. So, and he, you know, essentially knocked Michael Franco off this roster because he wasn't able he didn't let Davey take him out of the lineup and his versatility means he could play more positions than Michael Franco could and he was hitting better Franco was like hitting what 200 or something over 90-ish games so it was just he found an opportunity like we talked about and made the most of it and worked his way into the starting rotation or starting lineup and is now going to be the everyday third baseman slash backup shortstop for the rest of the season. Which is exciting in a season like this that these guys are able to come in, make an impact immediately, and win over these positions. Ildemaro Vargas, his situation at third base, and, and like Joy Manessas, is he's not making soft contact. He's mm -hmm. He is barreling balls. That's something that both of them have been, been able to do is make hard contact that not the, really the rest of the lineup hasn't. Yep. Until he's, as of late. Right. He's hitting 311 with an 874 OPS over his last 12 games. Four doubles, two homers, nine RBIs, including two walks. Only striking out five times, too, over 12 games, which is a pretty impressive uh, rate right there. If you're walking just a little under half the time as you are striking out, I think you'll take that for what the Nationals are doing. But overall, he's hitting 307 in 29 games, almost 30 games for the Nationals. Um, the OPS just under 800. So the power's starting to come up there, right? Like he's hitting more extra bases, hitting the homers are starting mm -hmm. to come. So, you know, <clears throat> he's a guy that has proven that he can play in this league. He can be a serviceable major leaguer. And this is a team that is looking for serv serviceable major leaguers right now. Is Ildemaro Vargas going to be the, th the third baseman of the sh uh, future? Probably not. But for right now, he serves in po a point, and he's was better than Franco was at, at that time. So he's 
made a name for himself and, and made a position for himself. Right. So those are two of the guys in Ildemaro Vargas and Joey Manessis that are like the newer nationals that have come and made an impact, especially over this last stretch and in that three-game winning streak. And then the young guys have also been the bright spot. And it was kind of interesting. The nationals went on this three-game winning streak and won now six of their last nine. Um and it was without Nelson Cruz in the lineup uh, that they had that success, which is interesting because he was the oldest guy in this lineup. And it's been the young guys that have really stepped up and produced. So that's kind of just a little interesting note. And obviously that's not Nelson Cruz's fault. He had an injury, but just, um, you know, a point to note. But last week we talked about C.J. Abrams and his struggles. And this always happens. It's like a reverse <laughs> it hex. Is, it is. We are here to help the team. Yep. Um, and I think we did that with CJ Abrams. Yep. When we talk about them on the podcast, or Bobby doesn't watch the game for right. a weekend, <laughs> everything goes well. Yeah. Ever since we talked about him last Wednesday, he's hitting 346 with an OPS over 850. Um, not a lot of extra base hits, a double and a triple, no homers yet, only two RBIs. Uh, but uh, he's hitting nine of of, uh, what is it, 28, no, 26, excuse me, with nine hits um, and scored seven runs too, which means he's getting on base and getting over and using that speed to score some runs. So yeah, for ever since we started talking about him last week, he's kind of, uh, you know, that's obviously helped a lot by his four hit performance on Monday in St. Louis, but it's good to see that come around. One, we talked about how it's good that his defense isn't really slipping while he's was struggling offensively. And now I think it's good for him to see that he can play here. There were some questions popping up where, like, should he be up at Major League? Should he finish right. the season in AAA? No, he's proving that he can be. He can play here. He deserves to be here, and he deserves to go out every day and hit. And hopefully by the end of the season, we see him move up closer to the top of the lineup like we expected him when the Nationals acquired him from the Padres. Right. We were saying, you know, we don't expect him to hit for the best average on the team, but we just want to see the improvements. Right. Every time he steps up right. to the plate, him making adjustments. And it really didn't seem like he was making those adjustments until the last week. The last time we talked, he'd only gone two games without striking out. And over the past week, he's only struck out once. Over the past week, he's also got his first walk. He got his first extra base hit, the first triple of his career. He hit the hardest ball that he's hit since joining the Nationals. And he had his first four-hit game of his career on Monday. Monday, yep. My days are getting Labor Day. Up. Yep, on Monday. So he has had an outstanding <clears throat> week. Um, and a lot of that success has come on the road. And I think that shows, you mentioned the walk, uh, you mentioned some of the, 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 the four-hit day. I think that just shows that this game is starting to slow down for him at the plate. He doesn't need it to slow down too much in the field. We know his athleticism, the range he has, um, the arm that he has playing shortstop. But he did, we talked about it last week. He did seem a little lost up there, especially with off-speed stuff coming from major league pitching. Um, and he was just hitting fastball and missing. And now it seems like, all right, he's recognizing pitches a little better. He's able to slow down at the plate, calm himself. You know, Davey always talks about that resting heart rate, like slow down your heart rate. Focus on hitting the ball. Focus on making contact. Use the middle of the field, and that's what he's doing. And 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 that four hit day, he used the entire field. Right. I think he went to all three directions in, in each of his four hits. So that was very impressive in and of itself too. And that's always a good sign of a young player slowing down at the plate and and getting that confidence that he can make contact up here. Right. I mean, after that walk, he ended <clears throat> up scoring. He advanced from first to third. I think that was in the athletic series. So going back a little bit, but mm -hmm. he advanced from first to third. Um, <laughs> 
in, on an air. And that's the first time we really have been able to see his speed. And he got on with the walk. So it just shows like you have to get on base to be able to do good things on the base path and show your speed. And walking is a big part of that. So yeah. that patience at the plate, that two strike approach, I think that was a full count walk. So he's being more patient. You're seeing his timing is better. He's not chasing. He's not swinging at the same uh, balls at the same part of the zone. So it's all good things and all good adjustments. Definitely a confidence boost. I mean, a four-hit game will be a confidence booster right. for anybody, right? So it's good to see that come to CJ. If I had to pick one player in this lineup, I would have picked him to have it because, like, you know, obviously the Nationals have a lot riding on him and, and his future with the team, and it would be good to see him finish the season strong on a high note. Speaking of finishing the season strong on a high note, Cabo Ruiz has seemed to found rediscovered his swing. We talked a lot about him earlier in this. This is months ago, how it was basically him and Juan Soto were the only offense his team was producing. And then he's been pretty cold ever since. Just a pretty average, uh, you know, offensive outproduction for a catcher. Doing a little better right now. Uh, you know, getting a couple of homers, extra base hits. Kind of going back to what we saw him do earlier in the season when he was getting a lot of doubles. And I don't, he didn't hit that many homers, but he had a lot of doubles and, and making strong contact. Yeah, and what's exciting is he's doing it when he's playing consistent, consistently right. and playing in games that he wasn't necessarily going to play in. Like usually Sunday he would have that day off. He talked uh, to Davey Martinez and talked himself into the lineup, and then he ended up going three for three for five on Sunday at a multi-hit game <coughs> Sunday and Monday. So it's where he's playing a lot of games over a stretch, which is um, even more impressive because he's a catcher. Yeah. You don't see that a lot. So that's it's a good stretch of the schedule, a good stretch for him to be producing at the plate because he's been catching so consistently. Hitting 313 over his last 14 games, OPS 826. The extra base hits, only one home run and three doubles, but five RBIs and five walks to only four strikeouts. So he's walking more than he's striking out as of late. And that's a very low rate of striking out over 14 games, um, especially when we saw some uh, some bad strikeouts from him in the middle part right. of the season. So that's a lot better. And you mentioned his playing time. And we talked, we didn't actually talk about this too much, but you know, when the rosters expanded last Thursday, it was uh, Mason Barrera. Thompson and, and, and Trace Barrera, and they've got three catchers on the major league roster right now. And so the question was, everyone, said, well, how is this rotation going to work? You've got three guys playing one position. We know Riley Adams can play a little bit of first base, but Luke Voigt is there most, most days. Uh, we've seen Joey Manessis be there a couple of times. Uh, the universal DH, of course, helps, but are they going to bench the Nelson Cruz, who's making over $10 million this season? So that's a lot of factors right there, but it's funny that now that there are more guys playing catcher, Kaber is still playing every most days and then now also succeeding. So um, you know, that kind of makes it hard for David to take him out of the line and give him a rest day when he is – he's going to have to, of course, catching is a very physically demanding position, but, you know – if, if K-Bear can talk his way into a game after playing back-to-back, back-to-back games, mm -hmm. like I, I would imagine Dave's going to let him go out there and finish the season strong, especially when his offense picking up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they put him in that DH spot for a few games. And the Nelson Cruz contract has kind of made it a little bit interesting. Like, they are sticking with him at DH. They kind of had to for the entire season. They haven't really mixed it up a ton, but I'll be curious to see the rest of the way. Do they mix them in a little bit and mix the catchers, uh, rotate them a little bit more? And I do hope that they watch. I mean, they're they're going to be careful with Cable Ruiz right. because he is their catcher of yes. the future. He's young. Um, and, and you don't want to push it, especially in a season like this. So I think it's like a perfect balance of, you know, he wants to catch and he's producing at the plate. So, you know, put him out there. Good for him. 
but also he's young, you know, does he have a good grasp or a good feel for, you know, should I be pushing it today or not so much? So I do hope that they, you know, have a good balance over that. Right. But there's also that, the, you know, two parts of playing catcher too. You also want him working a lot with these young guys, especially out of the bullpen. You want True. him maybe catching Mackenzie Gore's debut. I mean, you, he caught uh, uh, K. Cavalli's debut and he would be catching him more often if, if Cade was pitching. So you do want him to like, there's only a limited amount of time left in the season. You do want Caber out there working on that rapport with some of these pitchers, especially the young guys coming out of the bullpen, who we'll talk about in a second, um, and kind of set that bar for next year going into spring training. So there's no, I don't, I don't yeah. want to say they're behind, but you know, there's just a little more ahead. That's there's an extra point. step ahead too. So it'll be interesting to see that balance too. But yes, of course, I think they're going to be smart and, and with his physical, physical demand of playing catcher and also producing at the plate they have the dh they can give nelson cruz a day a day off here and there and let Bear take over uh if he's producing well all these guys we're talking about you know this all falls under the umbrella of it's good for them to finish the season strong and right. we're looking for good clean competitive baseball over this last month because that sets the standard for next year right i mean we're going to hear a lot of that coming i would imagine from davy and from some of these players being like Everything we're doing right now is building for spring training 2023. So, like, we are not taking a day off. We're, we're not, you know, letting off, off the gas. We have to keep going and playing hard and playing well because that will then set the standard for next year and hopefully, sure. uh, you know, a better record-wise season and, and, you know, some good individual performances as well. Right. Lane Thomas and Luis Garcia are two other younger guys um, in this lineup that have been doing a really good job when they're at one and two at the top of the lineup they make a really nice one-two punch and you've seen that over a few games over the past week uh, Luis Garcia starting to look a lot more comfortable at second base him and CJ Abrams have made some nice double plays over this last stretch and then Lane Thomas who has been kind of streaky this season he'll have upswings and downswings but this road trip has been a really good swing against his old team the Cardinals and he's had seven hits this road trip. Well, so. I was going to say it's because he's facing the NL Central. Yeah. He just crushes yeah. <laughs> against the NL Central. We talked about that earlier this year too and here we are back at Bush Stadium and he's just hitting really well. <laughs> I I asked him what all the all that time ago in Cincinnati what is about the NL Central and he was like I do not know it's just <laughs> I grew up in Tennessee and so this kind of is like my my part of the country and I just I just Feel hit well here element. which is good you got two more games in in St. Louis make the most of it um but yeah no they're great this is you know we'll have time to talk about Victor Robles as well but this is kind of the one-two punch at the top of the lineup that the Nationals envisioned whether it was Lane or Victor with Luis Garcia mm-hmm. hitting second, then you can have a Joey Manessas hitting third right now. Um, and then Nelson Cruz won't be here for, but Luke Voigt hitting fourth. I mean, that's a good top of the lineup because like you said, Lane and Luis have been doing really well getting on base. I mean, yes, we've seen Lane flash some power. Uh, he's hit more home runs this season than he entered the season within his entire career. So yeah, the power is He's a great fastball hitter. He gets a fastball anywhere in the zone. He can mm-hmm. drive it um, to left field as a right-handed hitter. And then Luis Garcia on the left side of the plate can also do some damage as well. He's probably a better hitter for average than Lane will be um, and doesn't have as much speed on the base paths, but he will probably get more extra base hits and maybe eventually around the same homers, I feel like if his power develops at the major league level. But Luis is a great contact hitter, can use all 
parts of the field, mm-hmm. and that's what you want on top of the top of your lineup, and then have your power hitters and Manessis and Voit uh, behind them and, and and hitting the ball, driving the ball, especially over the fence. Yeah, exactly. And then Luke Voit's another guy who's kind of figured some things yeah. out as of late. I know the one game he he had that big home run and he had one more button buttons <laughs> that day. Um, and he's like, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I've got to figure it out. He came up with a big hit. Then he said he would do undo the buttons. So it might be something to that, how many buttons he has buttoned on his jersey, for anybody that's following along with that story. <laughs> I think a lot of people are. A lot yeah. of people are interested in the buttons, the Louvois, just because he's just a massive guy that seems like he's going to break out like the Hulk throughout that jersey. But he's got a lot of multi-hit games since coming over from the Nationals. That's good to see. Obviously, the homers, he's, you know, quickly becoming one of the team's leader in home runs even in the short amount of time that he's been here. He's already got five, only two behind Manessis right now. And, and obviously Lane Thomas has a much bigger head start um, and only one behind Luis Garcia. So that's the kind of guy that the Nationals traded for. We know we talked about how, you know, if Josh Bell was going to be included in that trade, the Nationals needed a veteran first baseman coming back. And Luke Voigt is that guy. He's done it in his past time with the Cardinals, the Yankees, and, and the Padres being able to prove to be that power hitter, right-handed bat at first base. And, you know, I think people are confused, but Luke Voigt is going to be here next year. He is gonna, He's under team control for the next couple of seasons. More likely than not, he's also going to be your starting first baseman. So this is also important. I know he's an older guy. He probably has the most experience out in the major leagues outside of Nelson Cruz and anyone else, maybe Vargas as well. Uh, obviously, Cesar Hernandez too, but we won't talk too much about him. But he is going to be here for the long term, well, short term, so it's probably important to keep an eye on how he's doing as well because the Nationals are going to need his bat at least for next year. Yeah, I think that's a good point. The big question was, you know, is his defense. Like, he struggles defensively he at first base. And I think there was a little bit of a question like, hey, maybe will the Nationals will go out and get a solid defender at first base just because it's such a young infield. And you saw it even, you know, for these young pitchers on the mound in Kate Cavalli's debut, you know, he let – Luke Voigt kind of let him down with a few balls early, and that's not good for these young guys, especially in in the infield, but um, on the mound as well. So I think there was a little bit of question for that, but it doesn't really necessarily make sense. And I think it's a good thing that the bat is starting to become less of a question the more you know he plays here with the Nationals. And for people watching on YouTube or, or Facebook, seeing some Luke Voigt highlights, the one thing that also stuck out to me while cutting that up is, remember that home run against the Cubs, walking back to the clubhouse, he said something to Lane Thomas on deck, and Lane Thomas went and tied the game with another home run mm-hmm. um, late in that game. Uh, the Nationals ended up losing that game, but that was an important, you know, Luke knows his role on this team. Right. He is here to mentor. He is here to provide a power bat, hopefully a little better defense as well. But he is here to mentor the young guys, and he's fully embraced that role right now. And so that's those tiny things that we don't necessarily always see. We we got to see that one because massing cameras were right there and caught it, and then Lane Thomas hit a home run. But those are the kind of things that behind the scenes we don't necessarily see that a lot of people, the young players themselves, and Davey Martinez and the coaches say this is an important role that he's playing in this clubhouse because Josh Bell was that. Juan Soto was that. Nelson Cruz still is that, but it can't just be him. These are a lot of young guys and then journeyman guys and then 30-year-old minor leaguers that are looking to for anyone with positive experience in the major leagues for advice and for help, and they're getting it from Luke Voigt and Nelson Cruz right now, and then obviously some older pitchers like Patrick Corbin, Anibal Sanchez are are there for the young guys. Um, and, And, you know, 
Davy has kept around injured older veterans just for that exact reason as well, like Sean Doolittle. So that's the reason Cade Cavalli is traveling with them. So he can talk to older guys even while he's not pitching. Um, so that's an important role to keep in mind as well, especially when you're talking about Luke Voigt. Yes, the offense isn't quite no, – sorry, the defense isn't quite up to snuff right now. He is – you know, letting some guys down, but the offense is coming around, and that's something to keep an eye on because he is going to be here for a while. Right. There has to be a, a good combination of both anytime you're going through a rebuild. You can't just throw nine rookies out there every single game. There has to be a little bit of a combination just so that they can learn and develop along with these guys, and Luke Voigt will hopefully serve that purpose this year and uh, in the next year or two to come. And then kind of moving on to – the bullpen, yeah. there's some young guys there. And one of the ones that have been an interesting story over the last week is Mason Thompson. You got him see his first save. It was a, a three-inning save on Monday. And he got recalled from AAA last week. He had an injury at the beginning of the season. Then he's kind of been up and down and bounced around. But in his two outings so far since being recalled from AAA last week, he's retired 12 of the 13 batters he's faced so that's been a nice developing storyline it'll be interesting to see what he can do um in the years to come yeah if you look at mason thompson's numbers this year at the major league level they're they're really good 075 era right now 0750 whip um according to baseball reference but a lot of that earlier in the season before he got hurt was because he was pitching in low leverage situations. We kind of talked about that too, where it's like he's not asked to do too much because the Nationals are already out of the game or are ahead of the game. It wasn't really a close game. Here comes Mason Thompson to clean up the act. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's pitching in high leverage situations like we saw on Monday, three innings. And, you know, I, according to Mark Zuckerman, who talked to him after the game, of course, was like, you know, I didn't expect to go out there again, but my pitch count was down. And then the second inning, I only pitched like – 11 or 12 pitches so i figured i'll go back out there again and he did and then finished off the third and 10 innings and you know this is something that we have was kind of written on the wall for a while and i don't know if maybe we didn't take it seriously enough or just kind of you know shoved it to the side but davy has been talking about this for months now being like whenever we're asking what's mason thompson doing his rehab what's he doing in rochester he's always mentioned the idea of him going multiple innings they want him to go multiple innings and this is why they envision him as a multi-inning reliever even as mark mentioned in his morning post today possibly an opener for this team and when they need one so that's what they're trying to get him to do and he's done it over the past couple of outings especially on monday where he went three and and earned that three uh, out save right oh, three inning yeah. save excuse me if you're gonna pitch multiple innings out of the bullpen you have to be super efficient and that's what you saw in those three innings on monday uh, he's able to keep his pitch count down and be super efficient and against the cardinals at that um mm-hmm. and you mentioned the number he's 12 innings this year he's only allowed one run on six hits striking out eight and only walking three so he has been efficient in the time that he's been up here um it's just you know that injury at the beginning of the season you know kind of up and down and bouncing around but it'll be interesting to see how he continues the development how Davey Martinez uses him and will he continue to pitch in higher leverage situations and some guys thrive on that and maybe he's one of them right and 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 another reason that he's going up and down that Mark mentioned is because he's one of the few guys in his bullpen that actually has options this year so (laughs) he was when it came down to making that decision 
he was sometimes the odd man out because he is still young and he doesn't have a lot of major league experience, so he got exactly. optioned down. He was the one guy that they could send down knowing that they could bring him back at some point this year. So that was kind of working against him as well, but he's back. He's pitching well. We figured he would be one of the guys that they would bring up once rosters expanded, and he was. So this is going to be an arm that Dave's going to rely on out of the bullpen for the rest of the season. And the high leverage situations, like you mentioned, will be interesting to keep track of as well. Will he pitch in closer ball games, or is he going to be the one to always close out blowouts? I mean, that one, that inning, or excuse me, that game where he pitched three innings, the Nats were up six nothing, and that was the final score. So mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a close game, right. but that's also why he earned the, the three inning save, is because he pitched three innings to close out the game. True. Yeah. So you know, a lot of young guys in this lineup, but there's some younger guys in this bullpen too that might be a part of the future plans for the Nationals. Yeah, and of course, I mean, that's a good sign to see because the Nationals acquired him by trading Daniel Hudson to the Padres Mm -hmm. in 2021. So, you know, you're trying to get these prospects that you get in return for trading veterans to pan out and be productive major leaguers. And this is a good step for Mason Thompson to show that he, one, can stay healthy and two, can do what they're asking him to do in pitching multiple innings. Um, And whether It'll be interesting if he does start a game because he did start a game in Rochester for a couple of innings. And I asked Davey about that and he was like, that's kind of part of the plan he's not going to be a starter but we kind of seeing him go multiple innings make sure he gets his work in and now we're seeing the possibility that oh maybe he could open a game for them uh, if the matchups deem well like we could see him open a game for what if he did it for like Patrick Corbin right you know I mean and just kind of you have that righty lefty matchup so that's hard to fill out an opposing lineup for and then you're getting Patrick Corbin you only need him to go three or four innings instead of trying to get five or six out of him. True, so that might be a good little... It'll be interesting. And maybe that helps Patrick. Who knows? Right. Who knows? I'm not a pitching coach, but <laughs> that'd be interesting to see if they were able to pull that out. Well, since we're talking about pitching right now, let's move on to some other younger minor uh, minor league pitchers, and that will be Jackson Rutledge. Jackson Rutledge, of course, one of the Nationals' top pitching prospects um, down at Fredericksburg. The Fred Nats just sealed a playoff spot uh, by winning the second half North Division um, in the Carolina League with a blowout win at Salem, the Nationals, the Fred Nats, excuse me, are having one of their best seasons since becoming a, a, a affiliate of the Nationals. They're 29, 39 and 21 to start the second half. Jackson Rutledge started that game against uh, the Salem. Uh, I don't know what the Salem are. Against Salem, Red Sox. Um, Salem Red Sox. Oh, okay, I think uh, so. he punched out seven and in five innings uh, and earned his team best eighth win of the season. A couple of weeks ago, Amy and I went down to Fredericksburg to talk to some Nats prospects, and I caught up with Jackson Rutledge about his success this year, what has gone well for him, and even talking about his relationship with Kay Cavalli. Bobby Blanco here with the Fredericksburg Nationals and one of the Nationals' top pitching prospects and former first-round pick, Jackson Rutledge. Jackson, thanks so much for the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you've been on a real hot streak lately uh, over the past couple of outings, even a couple months, really. What's been working for you on the mound over your last handful of outings that you have at ERA around one? Yeah, I mean, I think the bread and butter is uh, fastball command, um, something that's greatly improved this year and uh, continuing to get better every time out. Um, you know, not messing over the plate, hitting my spots, and uh, – you know, going from there with the two seam and, and being able to mix the change up in on that, it's been uh, really effective and getting uh, early contact. You obviously, everyone had to deal with a, a shortened 2020 season, no minor league season, the year after you were drafted. You had some injuries last year. What's like kind of the sigh of relief, maybe, or excitement that you were able to pitch this entire season without any hiccups? Yeah, definitely the uh, the sigh of relief is that I feel really good right now and I feel like I could continue pitching for another couple months. Um, so that's what I. You know, uh, what I have every year is to prepare myself to the point where I can 
go the entire year without being hurt. Obviously, I had a little bit of a hiccup uh, in spring training, but um, beyond that, it's been, um, you know, every every start I've been making, aside from like a weird ankle sprain, but um, every start uh, as far as arm health has been great and um, continuing on that path. You mentioned your fastball command, but what else has working with you on the, on the mound? Like what right now is like a pitch that is maybe not your favorite, but maybe your go-to out pitch right now? Yeah, I'd say the biggest factor um, in my success right now is my, my change-up use uh, because it's now a pitch that I can throw where I want to um, and I can throw it in any count. I think uh, you know the most pivotal pitch in my last outing was a, a, a 1-0 uh, change-up that I threw with man on first and second and got a double play ball. Um, so that's something that before I, I didn't have the confidence in it to throw it in a count like that, but now I do, and it's it's been super beneficial. Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo talk a lot about they want their young pitchers, not even at the major league level, throughout the minor leagues, to be efficient, throw strikes, and use a lot of that off-speed stuff. Is that what you've been kind of working on a lot down here, aside from your fastball command you mentioned? Yeah, I think that's uh, the benchmark for me is, is uh, how many innings I can go every eight time out. Um, the last two have been seven uh, innings, and that's kind of the goal I have every time is to, to go seven-plus and, and be a workhorse uh, to save the bullpen and you know get the infield moving early, um, let my guys work, and, and get those free outs on the base path. Um, for me, that's, that's kind of what I do is get ground balls and, and get the game moving quickly and, and get deep into games. Now that you've had this majority, knock on wood, healthy season under your belt and you hopefully finish strong, of course, but are you starting to, like, do you allow yourself to think about, all right, I'm ready for the next step, I'm ready to make, I, I want to help out this organization and, and keep moving up? Yeah, right now it's just uh, it's just day to day. It's 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 worrying about the next start because, um, you know, the, the, the movements aren't my decision. That's... Um, uh, so for me, it's it's just what can I do today to prepare myself for for next Tuesday um, or whatever the next start is, uh, and that's that's just all I have to think about. When you look about where you were last year at this time, not just injury wise, but like as a pitcher, you know what what's the difference? The major difference between 2021 Jackson Rutledge and now 2022 Jackson Rutledge. Yeah, I think this year I'm I'm pitching like myself. I'm not trying to do too much. I'm uh, I know myself really well, and I know my stuff, and I have confidence in that stuff. Um, you know, the the scouting reports are all coming uh, from my own work. I'm developing my own plans um, in order to attack hitters and attack lineups, and uh, just ha- being able to do that and have confidence and know what my stuff uh, is going to do, what where it's going to play. Um, that's the biggest difference, and I can go out and have confidence in that and. Um, not have to worry about anything else really just just being myself the first round pick after the year you were selected was Kate Cavalli he is about to make his major league debut for the Nationals uh, what's like the excitement level for you as someone what's your relationship level with Kate and like how excited are you to see him pitch at Nationals Park in the next coming nights yeah super exciting uh, really really happy for him um, he's he's gonna shove and and you know hopefully he's gonna shove for a long time um, and so having him kind of I guess lead the way for for some of us other guys is going to be exciting, and we we hope to uh, you know get that that group of us down here and into uh, Nats Park and and um, start having uh, some success uh, both individually and as a team. For a while, you and Cade were tabbed as the top two pitching prospects in this organization. A lot of the future of the team relied on your t- guys' shoulders, but now you got guys like Josiah Gray at the major league level. They just traded for Mackenzie Gore. Do you kind of envision like a, a a rotation down the line of like the four of you being some big arms the Nationals are going to lean on in the coming years? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like I said, right now it's it's day to day. It's worrying about the next start, but um, you know, I, I, I'm not playing baseball to be a low A player. Um, you know. Uh, Obviously, everybody that plays has ambition to to be in the big leagues, and you know that's that's my goal is to to be a contributor in the big leagues for a long time. Um, and so, 
definitely uh, being a part of that group um, is the goal, and um, we hope to win a lot of games in that with those uh, group of starters. Jackson Rutledge taking it day by day here at Fredericksburg. Thank you so much for the time, Jackson. Yeah, thanks. It's good to see Jackson Rutledge finally healthy and finding some nice success throughout the course of a long-term minor league season. Hopefully he carries over until next year. I know people are asking whether or not he should have gotten bumped up to high A ball in Wilmington. I wondered that myself, but as you heard from Jackson, he's not focused on that. He's focused on staying put where he is, be where your feet are, and pitching well at Fredericksburg, and the rest will take care of itself. So I thought that was a pretty uh, interesting and very mature answer from Jackson, um, who has had his struggles over the past couple of seasons uh, since joining the Nationals franchise. But he's having success now at Fredericksburg. Um, they made the playoffs. They'll host Lynchburg in the divisional round of a best-of-three-game series starting next uh, Tuesday, September 13th at 7.05. Tickets are available at frednats.com slash playoffs. So if you're in the Frednat area, you should go see uh, the Frednats play, play in the playoffs because I'm sure Jackson will be starting that game one um, at Virginia Credit Union Stadium. Right, because it's a little bit hard to get excited about wins and losses when it comes to, to minor league teams. But this is a team with James Wood on it. This is a team with Yarlin Suzanne on it. Like you mentioned, Jackson Rutledge. So a lot of young talent there that are going to be with the big league team for probably years to come. So it gives you a reason to go down there and watch and get excited about whether they win or lose. <laughs> and some recent draft picks that we mentioned last week having nice success in Fredericksburg. So, yeah, if you're in the area and hopefully if they advance, you can go catch them in the championship round mm -hmm. uh, the following week. So that'd be very exciting. Well, we want to thank you all for tuning in to the Mass and All Access podcast this Wednesday afternoon. Hopefully you are subscribed to the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts. Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Wherever you get podcasts, you can find our lovely podcast. And of course, tune in every single week on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel. Amy and I go live from our Mass and Web studio. Thanks to Tim Leonard for his help producing the show behind the scenes. Follow Amy on Twitter at Amy Jennings News. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Mass and Nationals across the board on your social medias. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll see you next week with the Battle of the Beltways Part 2 coming from Nationals Park.